Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. I'm excited to be in service. I always am, but particularly on Easter, not just because we have a fantastic group of people. You all look so nice, and I'm glad you're all here, um, but just because of what it means to me, the resurrection of Jesus and uh, and. I, I always ruin my, my punchlines of the sermon because it's like in me and it's kind of bubbling out. And so I just kind of do that too quick. But man, what, what it means to the Christian, the power of the resurrection, seeing that Jesus, uh, it wasn't just a bunch of good ideas. It wasn't just a bunch of hype that he actually, um, he finished the work. Amen. But of course, you don't get to talk about the resurrection without talking at least a little bit about the, uh, the, the cross got to talk about the cross. See, the cross did the work of providing us atonement for our sins and provided salvation for whosoever will, whosoever will. The Word of God says in, uh, in Romans chapter 10, and this is great because this clears up a lot how God loves. Romans chapter uh, 10 and verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the heart... For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, not from righteousness one believes. So you got to start just by believing that he is who he says he is and that he can do um, amazing things in your life before you actually can, uh, can progress into be righteous. And I think that's going to be the thrust of what I'm talking about today. Um, because so many, so many people, I think, in so many churches, and a lot that just decide not to go, um, they have the process backwards about how we get cleaned up, about how um, we do the right things. We, need Je- we all need Jesus, and that's where it starts. But the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Greek or Jew, Jew or Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for what you have done in us, God, um, for the opportunity to be in service today. Um, I pray that uh, you have your way. Just show people that you love them. Show them what new life looks like uh, in a way that I can't, but only your word. So I actually think that we have some, some people who are visitors today, and um, you know, a lot of times you have the homers, you got people who, are, uh, you know, who you know, attend New Life, that's kind of the regular church, and then some people um, who just kind of visit you know, from time to time, and then even some people who have never, you know, who don't really know much about uh, Christianity, don't really know much about the story of Jesus Christ. So I mean, I think that it would be important for me to focus on people you know, who, who maybe this is the first time they've even been to church which is always possible. Um, something beautiful happened you know, a long time ago on that cross. We believe that Jesus died uh, you know, a, uh, you know, a death for the, for the sinner, for people who were unable to, to bridge that gap on their own. What Jesus did is he stood in the gap for humanity and he took on the sins of the world because he's the only perfect person. He's the only sinless one. He's the only one uh, who actually had it together. He's the only one uh, who, who really deserved any, any kind of reward or any kind of uh, you know, recompense. He is the only perfect one. And he stood in the gap for humanity and broke through to God for all who would follow him. And I, you know, I, I, I'm, uh, 
little bit of a gamer, and I, and I, you know, I like um, history. I like military history a lot. And so even as I was just thinking about, about what Jesus did for us and, and how he did it and how aggressive it was, you know, it was a, it was a strong thing. It, it wasn't, you know, just, just a, a weak, simple prayer, strong of character and of will and, of, and, and, and purpose to go and die on a cross the whole time knowing that, you know, and, and there's, uh, you know, there, there's one verse that says, you know, he could have had 10,000 angels come and take him off the cross, and, you know, and he, he didn't have to die. And so I was thinking about that, and I was like, yeah, or he could actually just come off the cross himself. Are we forgetting that this is the guy who brings people back from the dead? This is the guy who can actually um, you know, feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish? If you believed in the Bible, you believed that this is who Jesus was. He didn't need nobody to take him off the cross. He didn't need no help. He needed no angels. And honestly, you know, just the whole time, and I can't put myself in, in Jesus' shoes because I can't think like he thought. But I'm telling you, if this dude hits me one more time, that's what I'm thinking if I'm Jesus. One more nail, I, I'm in, hmm. You ever been there? You know, maybe not, and obviously not on a cross, but in a place where you're just like, one more thing, and I'm going to let this person who does not know what's going on. You know, and, and I, I get that way from time to time. Think about supernatural power, being able to, 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 to bring yourself off the cross and still choose to die for a bunch of, honestly, imperfect and ungrateful people. Jesus was bruised and beaten, mocked and stripped and portents the power of the cross. But also you gotta think about the power of the resurrection. See, why, why is the resurrection important to me? Why is it important to the church? Why is it important to us? Um, how many of you have iPhones? Amen. How many of you are still laboring under the, uh, you yeah. Uh, under the Android system. All right, a handful, yep. Mom's still holding on. Still holding on to that Android. Been working on her. So how many of you, furthermore, now that I know that, um, this, this question is more applicable. How many of you have ever n typed out a very important response and then forgot to hit send? Have you ever done that? I have, that gets, that'll get you in trouble. That'll get you in trouble, you know, with, with your wife. That'll get you in trouble with lots of different people because it might be something really, really important. Oh, and, and just like I do, just like other people do, um, we, we make this whole, you know, mountain out of a molehill. And I can't believe he hadn't texted me back. I can't believe this. You know, it's been two hours and he can't even, you know, amen. And uh, we, I think we all can do that from time to time. Just, and, and then you go back in, you're like, oh, I can't believe I forgot to hit send. And then you try and explain, and they only halfway believe. They're like, yeah, I bet, whatever. whatever. You're like, no, really, really, I, I thought I hit sin. And then you go back in, and it's a horrifying moment. You go back into your iMessages, and you look at your phone, and you realize that there's a whole pair. I do love you, you know, and, and uh, I love you too. You know, it's, it's not, you know, I'm working through some stuff here. Um, so it's not just about, uh, the, the feeling was there, the emotion was there, and the response was there. I, I, I said it, and, you know, and I wrote it out, and I meant to say it, but I didn't send it. And honestly, like, as I just began to think about the power and how important the resurrection was, um, you know, obviously this is a very first world problem, you know, just not sending you know, your message on your iPhone. But, you know, and furthermore, I like to live dangerously. And by that, I mean, I will, uh, I probably shouldn't even do this, but we're here. Um, have you ever seen, like, somebody's, you know, if some of you don't have Facebook, some of you do, whatever, some of you on something else, um, have you ever just seen something, oh, I just want to respond to that so bad, 
so bad do I want to set that straight? A bunch of, bunch of liars, man. Come on. You know, no, never. Not getting any love. Well, I have. And I'll just be like, Yeah, and I, and I go nuts on it for a second, and then because I'm trying to be a good Christian, yes, am I perfect? No. No, I mean, absolutely not. I'm trying. I am trying my best. Um, and so then I get in there, and I just like, you know, paragraph the whole thing, just set them exactly straight, you know, and then I will invariably delete that whole thing and then just take a step back and then be a real, delete it, because, you know, the, the Word of God says this. I'm not calling nobody fool, you know, directly, but uh, it says, answer in the old King James Version, answer not a fool according to their folly. And so in, in present day language, I would say that basically means is don't, don't get involved with stupidity. Because if, if, if they, not, not, I don't have nobody in mind, but if, if they were ignorant enough to say that about you in the first place, what is their response going to be? Like, what are you expecting here? Like, what, what can you, you expect that they, you know, that your one comment or your response is going to enlighten them and they're going to be, you know, a very sensible person? From, no, of course not. Don't get involved in that. Don't get involved in nonsense. You know, don't, and, but I live, like I said, I live dangerously because I'm always one click away from everybody actually seeing what I said. So you got to be so careful about what you send, right? Good or bad. Begin to think about the resurrection of Jesus. See, uh, without the resurrection, the work of the cross would be a completed message that never got sent. Now, as I begin to think about how, how important that is, um, what Jesus does in that first Easter Sunday, such a powerful, powerful message. He's, he's, he was alive, and everything that he said and did was not in vain. When he resurrected himself, he didn't have to tell anyone. You know, he could have just ascended to heaven and said, well, you know, just ascended into heaven. But he made sure that he hung around long enough for people to see and that the message got sent. I'm so grateful that he did. Mark 16. I'm going to go to Mark chapter 16. This is a powerful passage of scripture. This is the part where Jesus, uh, who is now, you know, resurrected, is now alive. He says, now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Solomon, brought spices that they might come and anoint him. I'm uh, doing some burial treatment here. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen, and they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee, and you will see him there as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, and they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared First to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. And she went and told those who had been with him, and as they mourned and wept, plead. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. How many people are you going to need to hear about Jesus from before you'll believe? Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of their heart because they did not believe those who had been sent, 
who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs and wonders will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working among them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Amen. What a powerful, beautiful picture and story. This passage that teaches us exactly how it looked and how Jesus hit sin because the work of the cross was never to be completed without sending that message. And he sends it even today. You're here today and through this church, through this preacher, he's sending. And what that means to us, the possibility, the promise of new life. I want to kind of just for the next couple minutes get into uh, what God really um, gave me personally uh, to share with you today. I definitely, I wanted to talk about the cross. I wanted, needed to talk about the resurrection. Um, but I have something to tell you personally. New life is almost always messy. New life is messy. Our church is called New Life for a reason. It's been called that for a, you know, a while longer than, than I've been here. And I love the name because uh, you know, that's, that's what we all need. Whenever we, uh, whenever we receive Christ, uh, we, we need a new starting place. We need a, a change in our life. Honestly, we need to get our life right before God, our creator, and live for him. But some people think that to be saved is to walk in immediate perfection. And that is just wrong. Now, you've been saved, you've been forgiven, and you've been made right because the blood of Jesus covers all sins. And you're as perfect in that moment as you have ever been or ever will be. Your, your sins are covered by the blood of Jesus. However, have you ever seen new life occur? How many of you have kids? If you were, if you were there and you're the husband and you actually manned up and you, you, you stuck it out, how many of you guys were there? Okay, not bad, not bad, guys. Good job. I don't know, man. It's a... I can honestly say I didn't understand much about new life, about birth whatsoever, because I avoided it like the plague for, you know, I, 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 just, I don't want to see that. I don't want to know much about that. I'm good. Like, just, I just wanted to, you know, the stork, if that had really been how it worked, I would have been absolutely fine with that because it's, it's pretty messy. Yes, it is messy. And I did not understand um, that at all until, you know, I had uh, puppies, I actually, me, me and my wife, we, we only a little on the side. We breed some Bernadoodles, Bernese Mountain Dogs and Poodles. And uh, so, you know, they're, they're, they're super cute. They're really cool. I love my dogs. And, you know, we breed the Bernadoodles. And, but then all of a sudden, it came down to me actually having to do it. I had no idea. I had no idea how crazy this, uh, th th this, uh, this whole process could be and would be. And, oh, my goodness, like, I had to get over it real quick. I mean, uh, you know, at first I was just, like, you know, kind of mincing around, just like, okay, you know, hoping that it would be, like, just a, you know, a smooth thing. Maybe I just kind of look over, oh, it's a cute puppy. No, sir. No, I have had to do unspeakable things. <laughs> To make sure my, my, pup, my, my puppies are birthed and survived. I have ha Johnny, I have had to make sure that it wasn't breached. I didn't know what that puppies, Jerry, is. Half the time you think that they're for sure dead. You know, 
Yeah, they just hit the ground. I'm being so gross. It's okay. You'll be all right. They hit the ground. And it's gross and it's awful and it's scary. And you think for sure they're dead. Like they don't even, uh, they don't even move. They're not breathing. You know, they're still in their little, in their little sack and they're, and they're green. Did you know that? Like my, the ones have white on, they're green puppies. And it's like, oh, this is not what I had in mind, you know, when you have, have little puppies. But, but here's what I learned, and that is that new life is messy. New life is kind of gross. New life is not perfect. And, and then I thought about, you know, a lot of churches across this country and across the city today are going to do a great job. And they're going to, you know, just speak with love and with, you know, the grace of God in, in their hearts. And they're going to they're reach out just like I am doing. And then maybe some are going to come across in a very, very different way. I don't know what your church experience is. I don't. Um, but I guarantee you with this many people in here, maybe it's not been very good. Maybe it's been rough. Maybe it's a... Uh, Maybe you tried and you wanted to do right, and, uh, and even now there's not really anything in you that wants to really do wrong, but uh, sometimes we can get it sideways. We really can as Christians. New life is rough at first, and uh, you know, they need support. They need help. Honestly, they need help. They need warmth. They need nourishment. They need care. But with those things in place, they can survive and grow and become strong. And so now I just want to talk very, very candidly to some of you. Brother Justin, you can go ahead and come. But uh, I want to talk to you about new life, about salvation, about you know, maybe you're here today. You have maybe just enough of an interest to even just maybe come to church you know, for, for a Sunday, just for Easter, and just check it out a little bit. But um, you don't have to be perfect to be saved sure don't to get saved. God knows where you're at. You know, and I'm not one of these, you know, really, really like, like weak preachers, you know, that, that, that preaches and, and, and there's no, you know, we don't have to do right. Of course, you know, we want to do right, but, but what are you talking about? Some of you with, a, I'm telling you right now, some of you with a religious background are already drawing back on me because you know there's like 19,000 things that you immediately have to get right right away and be perfect before you even actually step into you know, any kind of relationship with Jesus Christ. Stop. Take a step. Those are things that, 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 are, that are born in your heart, that are born in your soul, and, that, and you start to see those, and it, and it changes you. Like you. So many people try to clean themselves up before they're ever born again. What is that? New life doesn't usually look like that. That's not how it works. Whenever you, whenever you know that Jesus loves you and you take that on, you say, I want to be saved. I want to, uh, I, I want to try to do right. That's when the work starts. Not before. Victory can be ugly. New life is messy. I'm telling you what, there are great people here who have been coming to church and doing their best for 40, 50, 60 years, and they're still not perfect. And I'm not excusing continued sinful behavior by no means. But what I'm saying is, why don't you just understand that God loves you right where you are? I am kind of talking to some people maybe with a bad religious experience or a religious background because and you're at a disadvantage a little bit as I speak to you right now because you already know so much, you know? 
Whenever I took on my fixer-upper house, Lord help me, 1820 original, not a straight stud in the whole house, except for me. And yeah, you like that, Jerry. Terrible, terrible project for a noob. Like drywall, everything is old. Like it's made out of barn wood. It's not like they didn't even have levels when this thing was built. Awful. And see, my dad, he knew what I was getting into. And he gently, because, you know, I'm a man, so he's not going to tell me what not to do. You know, it's my house, you know, I'm buy it. But he was like, bro, are you sure? This is my dad right here. I love him. Dad was like, are you sure you want to take on that fixer rubber? Because I know everything that is going to be done. I know exactly what you're going to need to do. And I was like, well, yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. Well, it'll be great, you know. I'm just going to throw something. Ben knows. He's my, he's my carpenter buddy. I did not know, my friend. No idea what I was getting myself into. But he did. And so I bought it anyway, and then it's, you know, the rest is history. We're getting there. But here's a word to you, my friend, who I'm talking to right now with a deep-seated religious background who you're not where you need to be with God, but here's something that's crazy you won't hear a lot of times. You're not even where you want to be with God. I'm talking to you. You're actually not even... You're not even where you want to be with God because you kind of, you know that Jesus is the real thing. You know that God is, is love and that, but there's a whole bunch of other stuff. So you're kind of like uh, my dad looking at that fixer-upper and I'm on the other side. I'm the optimist, you know, like, ah, it'd, be, it'd be great. See, but you already know um, a whole bunch of do that and then I'll just be a big failure. I just don't think that I can even measure up, you know, in there and I don't have much to bring to the table. I don't have much to offer my heart. Um, you know, I, I, you know there, there's so many things in my life that I know immediately that I've just had to do, 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 do. And so that is overwhelming you in your heart right now as I talk. Stop. Stop and understand that only thing that matters today and in this moment is that Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus resurrected that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That's what matters here today. We'll talk about tomorrow, tomorrow. Let God, why don't you give God a chance to work on those things in your heart that are broken, that are hurt, that are twisted. Stop trying to do what you can't do and you'll never be able to do. You'll never be able to measure up. I still can't measure up. I'll never be able to measure up. Right now, here today, let go right now in the name of Jesus. Let go of those expectations that, that, that you know you would have for yourself that are keeping you from even taking the first step. God love I'm a simple preacher. I'm a simple person. You came here expecting like a great theological discourse, then you're to be disappointed. And if you will take the first step, then he'll meet you there. Let me read you my favorite story in the whole Bible. They're all my favorite stories. But. Yeah, I actually didn't have it marked down, but we're going to go that way. Sister Charlotte, Luke chapter 15. Toward the end. It's my this is, my, this is my stuff right here. Love it. This, this is what brought me out of darkness, out of bitterness, out of just being cold towards God.
Awesome, awesome. Okay, so start with the, the very first part of the prodigal son. I think it's Luke chapter 15. Awesome. We'll go from here. This is great. So a little context for you. Hang in here. Um, the story of the prodigal son is a powerful story because there's two guys. Um, ah, Jesus said it, said it best. Okay. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to him that livelihood. Hold there. Um, so the, the, the story here, um, the father is going to leave an inheritance to both his sons, the older one and the younger one. He gives uh, the younger one a super huge insult. And he says, um, I, I, you know, I kind of wish you were dead, but being as you're not, go ahead and let me have all my stuff. That's really what he's saying. And so this father says, okay, if that's what you want, gives him the, all the stuff. Next, please. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. He ran out of money. You always run out of money whenever you're running the wrong way. Amen. Uh, then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. Pause there. Okay, so feeding swine is gross now. Back then, it was actually biblically wrong. Like, it was something that separated you from everyone else. If you touch pigs, um, they're unclean according to the Old Testament. So now you are literally, you know, as far away from being somebody I want to associate with as humanly possible. You're ceremonially unclean, okay? And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. I feel like I need to make some kind of a Tide Pod reference, but uh, carrying on, how, how desperate do you got to be to eat the pig's slop out of the trough? Getting pretty desperate. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and even to spare, and I perish from him before you? So he's already getting his stuff lined up. He's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, uh, I know what I'm going to say, and I'm going to make it better on you. Know, I'm going to, you know, communicate with him, so I don't deserve, I don't deserve, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer, somebody say worthy. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe. He did, God didn't even address that. Isn't that powerful? The father he said, yeah. Hmm. Here you go, my friend. You are so caught up on something that is so unimportant and that is keeping you from Jesus Christ. Something that is literally so unimportant that the father didn't even address it. He didn't even answer. He said, I am no longer worthy to be your son. And the father said, yeah. You were never worthy. So here's the thing, my friend, that I've been talking to for a little while now. It's not about worth. It's about birth. It's about the new life that comes only because of him. Put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. Last verse. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. They began to party. They began to be happy and joyful. Thank you, sis. So I, I'm going to wrap it up like this. It's, what time is it? 
we're great. We're good. Comparatively. So there's just a few things that I want you to know today. Because the prodigal story is honestly the story of every single one of us. Um, Jesus loves you. Jesus is even here today, even as we're just uh, contemplating the words of God and the, you know, the heart of God and feeling the, you know, the conviction of God a little bit, you know, because we need him. You know, there's, there is that hole in each and every one of us. Um, and you know it's there. So I, that's why I chose today not to, not to bring out a whole bunch of you know, historical and ontological arguments about the resurrection and the existence of God. Okay. Today I'm offering you something else. If you feel... Like, there is a God, and I feel something here today. Something in my heart is, is telling me that this is more than if I with that prodigal on so many levels. I know that God has brought me here today, even through maybe different circumstances, because he loves me, and I know that that is me. Here's what I got for you. You can be loved by Jesus here, even if you are a mess. Everybody from New Life said amen. See, that's the first thing. This guy, he comes to, to his father, and he's still, like, you don't get that off you right away. You know, he, he, he's been in the pig slop. You know, his, you know, his, his breath is terrible. You know, his, uh, his clothes are disheveled and dirty. He is a mess. His life is a mess. Like, all of his finances are shot. He's in terrible shape. Um, you know, he, he, he went out and partied, so his relationships are terrible. Um, everything about him is a mess right now, but he still comes to the Father a mess, and he learns the first lesson, the lesson I want you to learn today, that Jesus loves you, and we love you, even if you're a mess. Number two, you can be loved by Jesus here, even if you feel like you have nothing to contribute. Like, man, I, I have nothing to give Jesus. I have nothing to give this church. I, you know, I'm, who am I? Like, I've got nothing. Nothing about me makes me worthy. Yeah, yeah, the, him of all people, I bet. You can be loved here at this church by Jesus and by the brothers and sisters in Christ, even if you feel like you have nothing to contribute. He came, he came to the Father, and he's making a speech in his mind. He said, I am no longer worthy to be your son. I'm not worthy to have, you know, the blessings of being a real, of a child of God, you know, a Christian, you know, a church person. Like, you know, I'm not worthy of any of that. Just make me a hired servant is what he says, and the Father just ignores it. He said, Nobody's worthy. And lastly, you can be loved by Jesus here, even if you feel unworthy, even if you feel that you've gone too far. You may not believe some of the stuff that I hear, you know, as a as a pastor. Um, you got to believe. You got to believe that Jesus loves you. You got to take that step because there are people even sitting here today. Um, who are operating in faith and have accepted the amazing love of Jesus over terrible things in their life. Jesus loves you no matter what. So today, if you all bow your heads and just in respect to, uh, to those around you or those who may be uh, kind of contemplating, 
I'm going to uh, just take a couple minutes here. I've identified with you know, a lot of what I've said. You know that, uh, that Jesus loves you and that honestly, the crazy thing is you love him. You know, you kind of do. But uh, your own problems, your own failings and issues are keeping you apart from the life that he wants for you and the life that, you know, you honestly are just too fearful and too broken to believe that he has for you. He loves you. 